Welcome to Static Talks. I'm your host, Dave Long, founder and president of StaticWorks. We make static control flooring. In our podcast, we'll discuss the threat static electricity poses to your business and how to address those risks. As you all know, we're the static control flooring experts. However, even if we're in the static control industry, every flooring project starts out the same, whether it's a conductive static dissipative floor, a tile floor, a ceramic floor, an epoxy floor. The first thing we have to do is look over our site conditions and determine what obstacles we're going to face. In today's discussion, I have Rick Frotten with me, my colleague, and we're going to talk to you about an area that's quite misunderstood called moisture mitigation and relative humidity in concrete. Thanks, Dave. I'd love to learn more about that. Well, Rick, we have in front of us the ASTM standard for testing relative humidity in concrete, which I'm sure is the most interesting topic any of our listeners will ever hear about. But well, it's important. <laughs> it's the reason why um, people don't like flooring. If you don't have a surface that's properly tested and certified for installing a floor, you could wake up in your factory and discover that you're spending more time putting up traffic cones, repairing floor tiles, than you are pumping out the product that you're trying to make. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna go over a, a standard, it's an ASTM standard, called 2170. And every so often they update the standard, but ASTM 2170 is a document that tells you how to determine whether or not there's vapor in concrete. And by the way, when I talk about vapor, a lot of times people will say to me, we don't have any water in our building. We don't have an aquifer anywhere near our location. We're in Colorado. It's dry here. I'll hear things about drainage and French drains and all sorts of uh, extraordinary lengths that they went to when they excavated a building. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is invisible vapor that is either coming through the concrete from somewhere below or it's from water that's still in the concrete because it hasn't fully cured. And we need to determine where that's coming from and how much there is because concrete is an alkaline substance. And when you combine vapor with alkalinity, you end up with a, with a chemistry that attacks conductive flooring adhesives. Okay, so we know that humidity can be a real challenge when installing this type of flooring. If you do testing and find out that there is in fact too much humidity in this environment, how do you address that? Well, before we address it, Rick, what we need to do is first make sure that the tests are done correctly. So what will happen a lot of times is a flooring contractor will tell a general contractor or tell the owner of a building that they'll do moisture testing for them. And moisture tests will be done, flooring will be installed, and a year later they'll discover they have a problem with um, the floor lifting and the adhesive breaking down. And everyone will look at each other and say, but we did the testing, we passed the tests, where did we go wrong? Mm -hmm. Well, the reason you want to buy a copy directly from ASTM of the test method 
is because you need to know how to control the site conditions when you do the test. So what I mean by that, and I'll, give, I'll kind of give you like a, a little sort of a short story. Okay. Most buildings, if it's a renovation, don't have their HVAC systems running. So what'll happen is a flooring contractor will go in a building, whatever the temperature happens to be outside, that'll be the temperature inside. So say it's 50 degrees. And the humidity, whatever it is outside, will be the same inside. They'll, they'll drill holes in the concrete, which is what you have to do to do this test. They'll drill them to 40% of the depth of the concrete. They'll put in these test probes that create a micro-environment that they can now plug a tester into and push it into the, the hole and make their measurement. And they'll get, they'll, they'll, they'll get numbers. However, those numbers don't mean anything unless that is the condition under which you will operate the building. So let, let's say for some reason it's a, it's a building in uh, you know, the Midwest or the Northeast or someplace where they actually have a winter. And maybe it's 45 degrees in the building. When they acclimatize that building and actually use the floor, and in fact, when they install the floor, that building's probably gonna be at 65 or 70 degrees. So right away, you've tested for a condition that could come back to haunt you under different circumstances than you expect to use the building. So if you read that 2170 document, the first thing it's going to tell you is you have to control the ambient environment when you do the test. That gets done probably 10% of the time. Um, another way to possibly look at testing done under the incorrect circumstances is if you get measurements that are in excess of what the adhesive is rated for, whether or not it's, it's ambient, assume that any time in the future, those measurements would also be in excess of what's acceptable and just proceed as if you know you have a vapor problem. Unfortunately, most of the time when people get measurements that they don't like and those measurements are going to cost a fair amount of money, there's a temptation to say, well, we're not really using the right conditions to do this test, so let's ignore the results. And think, think of any example you want, but that's usually the, the worst direction to go in. Okay, Dave, so assuming the relative humidity testing was done correctly, what do those measurements mean? And if there's a problem, how do we get rid of it? Every adhesive manufacturer, and we're talking about conductive adhesives right now, every adhesive manufacturer has a rating that they will attest that they believe their adhesive will handle for relative humidity and concrete. Okay. So for example, a, um, a conductive one-part acrylic adhesive is usually rated at somewhere as between 80 and 85% relative humidity. So, so let's assume that the tests have been done correctly. And now your question, Rick, how do I get rid of the problem? Now we get into a situation where we have to ask ourselves, what's the best way to do this? And by best way, I don't just mean the, 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 um, the materials that you use to, to correct the problem, but also what other obstacles do you have? Is, is this a renovation? In, in my business, we do a lot of work in police stations where we're putting flooring in 911 call centers. They're not going to shut down a call center so they can put a vapor barrier in. How, how, do, how do you do that? How do you, how do you not allow 911 calls to come in for a couple of days while you correct a problem with concrete 
that won't allow flooring to stick. So you've got to look at strategies that are compatible with the operation that you're, you're working under. That operation could be new construction, completely empty building, brand new concrete, no one, no one to get in your way. So you've got, all, you've got all options on the table for that situation. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got a data center that can't be shut down. You've got a, uh, an FAA um, navigation flight center that can't be shut down, a police station. So when you're looking at these problems, you want to be looking at them not just from the perspective of how do I get rid of vapor, but how do I do it under the conditions that have been presented to me. But what about a brand new facility? How would you test for and address moisture issues when installing static control flooring over fresh concrete? So let's talk about new construction. Sure. New construction's easy. One of the, the most common solutions in new construction is to um, do what they call shot blast the concrete. So what they'll do is they'll profile the concrete so that a liquid that's put on top of it can penetrate the surface. In this case, with eliminating vapor problems, that liquid would be a special type of two-part, call it an epoxy solution, that would penetrate some of the concrete and also reside on the top of the concrete, leaving kind of a, a glassy-looking finish. These, um, these vapor barriers, these two-part vapor barriers, they're made by at least a dozen companies. I'm not going to recommend any one, but I can tell you that there are differences between these products. And one of the things you want to look at is the length of warranty and the strength of the company itself. So whenever you're putting down something to get rid of a major problem that could in fact also jeopardize your business, you want to look at it from the perspective of can this product and can the company backing it do the things that, that would need to be done if it doesn't work. Okay, and how would you handle an occupied space, for instance, a mission-critical environment where you can't have any downtime and you've got employees working in the space at the same time that you're installing flooring? Another solution is a roll-on vapor barrier. So at the risk of kind of dumbing down how these products work, picture a, a material that comes in a five-foot wide roll that looks like 80-grit um, sandpaper on one side and Tyvek on the other. There's a number of companies that, that make these. One of them is a, um, a product that we've used quite often that's been um, proven to be a... a a, 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 a true solution for people who need to roll out a um, vapor barrier basically overnight. So back to our, our busy 24-7 kind of operations. A, a team could literally go in with lifts, move a console in a 911 call center, slide it over six or eight feet, grab a roll of this material, put it down on the concrete, put flooring on top of it, put the console back on top of the flooring and keep moving all the while the operation continues to take phone calls and hopefully not compromise any of their their uh, their public safety duties so that that kind of solution would be require no cure time it, it would require no blasting of concrete and it could be done without the use of chemicals so it could it could be done in an occupied space 
Maybe it's a clean room. Same thing in a clean room. Obviously, clean rooms are worried. Uh, clean room um, facilities managers are worried about dust and contamination. That's why they call it a clean room. So in a clean room, you would be able to put the vapor barrier down on top of whatever surface is in there. In this case, it would be the roll-on vapor barrier and install whatever type of flooring you want to on top of that surface. So th th those, are, those are a couple of strategies, you know, the liquid version and the dry version. Hopefully, you'll be able to have the option to use either one. And when you look at these vapor barriers, like I said, you want to look at warranty. The other thing you want to look at is what are they rated for? If that test that, that was originally done was done correctly, you might find out that your relative humidity is 99%. That's not an uncommon number. And the reason I say it's not an uncommon number is I very seldom have ever seen a number under 70. So think of 70 as zero and 100 as 100. That's a, that's a much smaller range already. And 99 would be what you would probably measure on brand new concrete that's two, two and a half months old. So when you see these numbers, you want to look at the vapor barrier and see what it's rated for. Because I'll tell you what will happen. If you take, you're supposed to take one reading for every thousand square feet. So suppose you got a 10,000 square foot room and you decide you only need to take five readings and four of them are 85% and one of them is 99%. What reading would you rely on? I can tell you that when it comes to budgets, a lot of people are going to say, I'm going to go with the lower number because there were four of them. And that answer would be incorrect. And the reason it would be incorrect is if you install flooring, you have a problem with the flooring. The first thing the flooring vapor barrier manufacturer is going to do is they're going to ask you, or maybe they'll even do it for themselves, they're going to make a measurement in the exact location where the failure occurred. And if that failure occurred where you've got an anomaly and you've got a high number, call it 99%, but you bought their product that was only rated up to 95%, they're going to tell you you don't have a warranty because you bought the less expensive product because you decided to bet that your one measurement was high and erroneous and that the, all the other numbers were the numbers you should rely on because statistically they were all bunched together and you'll end up having to take care of that problem yourself. We hope you learned something today. If you have questions about the podcast, give us a call at 617-923-2000. Even though we specialize in solving problems with flooring, if you have a question about static discharge, how to install a floor, how to test the floor, we'll be glad to help you. Thanks for listening.